Hi there. Today you're listening to Fruit Pursuit with Mary Aldrich. This is a production of the Ultimate Christian Podcast Network. Join me as I share some practical applications of the fruit of the Spirit. Here is where you can learn tools to cultivate things like love when you find your son sitting in paint, joy while cleaning up the paint, and peace in more areas besides just hiding in the bathroom. Yes, it is possible to love God, love others, and enjoy it. Hi, and welcome to episode 20, A Secret to Easy Joy. Today we're going to talk all about some prerequisites to having joy in our life and cultivating it in intentional ways. But before we can do that, we've got to take some time to set our life up for success so that we can actually feel that joy. You know how when you go to help a toddler or a younger child clean up their room, and maybe you've got toy buckets or things that they need to put their toys back into, they go to maybe put their cars in a bucket or their blocks in a container or their Legos away, and you realize that before they can put all those things in there, that the buckets are so disorganized that they really need to be dumped out first. You kind of clean out those buckets before you put the things back in them that belong there. And this this episode about joy is kind of like that. It's kind of like that moment where you have to clean the stuff out of the bucket so that it's easy to put the things in there that really belong. Um, all right, so to get started, what is that secret to easy joy? Well, I'm here to tell you that this episode, the thing that I'm going to share with you today, if you take account of it and take action, really step in and do this process, it is a way for you to have joy come into your life. There'll be space there available for that joy And I think you'll find that it creeps in without you realizing it because there's a freedom there. There's a space for it. So how do we get that space? Well, one of the first ways that we do that is by keeping promises and commitments, both to ourself, which by default also involves keeping our promises to God, but also commitments that we've made to the Lord and keeping our commitments to others. So we're going to talk about each of these different areas of keeping commitments and promises in a little bit more detail and how we can cultivate this clearing of space by keeping these promises and commitments and how that relates to joy. So let's talk about the ones that we keep to ourselves first. These might look like things such as self-care or nagging convictions that we have that we aren't following through on. One of the examples I think of in my own life is when I was living with my parents and things were a little bit crazy. When I say living with my parents, I was actually living with my parents with my husband and my seven children. This actually wasn't that long ago in my life. We were transitioning between one house and another, and we stayed with them for a period of about nine months. And so that time was 
pretty stressful. There were 12 people living in the house. We had a lot going on. And I noticed that it became really important for me to get away and take a walk every day. It got some exercise in. I was able to think or listen to scripture or play music that was encouraging. And I noticed that as I regularly took that walk, it created a space for me to show kindness to the people in the house more successfully and I could I could count on my own temper to stay down, <laughs> so to speak. It was definitely better. Anyway, there were times when I was tempted to stay home. Maybe there was a lot of things going on that was too busy, or maybe we were cooking a lot of food, or maybe it was kind of rainy outside or things like that. And I would come up with excuses why that particular day wasn't as good of a day to take a walk. In spite of the fact that I had made a commitment to myself to get out and take that walk every single day. The problem with with deciding not to follow through on that commitment was that I had not come up with any alternatives of a way to take good care of myself or a way to get that time without taking a walk. And so as I would, when I decided not to, I would have this guilty feeling or this distracted part in my brain that was Like I recognized that I was not keeping my word to myself. And as a result, I would think about it a lot more often during the day, knowing that I hadn't really done what I said I needed to do. When we get into that place where we aren't keeping that commitment to ourselves, we spend a lot of time and energy distracted by the fact that we haven't done it. As a result, we aren't able to fully engage and fully enjoy the things that are going on around us because of that distraction. That happens also with convictions that we have that we don't follow through on, whether it's we're avoiding a conversation that we know we need to have with someone, and maybe maybe we're scared about that. Maybe it's something that I'm uncomfortable. I'm not sure how that conversation is going to turn out. And so I keep avoiding it. But the problem is the longer we avoid it, it takes up space in our brain. It takes up space in our thought lives. And it doesn't allow for the freedom to really enjoy the things that are going on around us and enjoy the way that God's providing and enjoy the relationships that we have with each other because there's that there's that distraction of there's something that I know that I need to take care of and I haven't taken care of it. It's a little bit like I need to go stir that soup before it burns and it stays in your brain like, oh, in just a minute I'll go stir that, stir that soup and we wait and we wait and we wait and then the soup burns and we're frustrated that we let the soup burn. When And then through all that time of thinking, all we were able to really give full attention to is the fact that we were allowing the soup to burn. It distracts us from whatever task that we were doing before, that we were trying to do in addition to remembering to stir the soup. So same idea. It makes way more sense to just go stir the stupid soup. Then we can check that off the list. It doesn't have to hold space in our mind anymore. We're free to enjoy something else. 
I think about nagging convictions also. One way that this pops up in my own life is in the area of cell phone use. <laughs> How many of you can relate to having something on your phone that take that's just sort of a time sucker? It takes up your time. You find yourself going to it. It's kind of a knee-jerk response. When you sit down, you open it up, you flip that, flip to that one app, or maybe it's a game, or maybe it's Facebook or whatever. Maybe it's Instagram, whatever that thing is that you generally go to. And that's not a problem until it becomes something that is that prevents us from doing other things. And we can start to have kind of a conviction about I recognize that I am allowing this particular app on my phone to take more of my time than what I really want to give it. It's preventing me from being intentional. It's preventing me from being present with people. And I definitely have done that with different uh, movie apps and different video games that I get kind of hooked on and then there's this battle and resistance, isn't there? You know, I really think that it's kind of silly how long sometimes I have taken letting that battle go on, dragging out before I actually take the action that needs to be taken. (laughs) It can go for months. I can know that I need to delete the Netflix app off of my phone so that I will just get out of the habit of watching it every time I sit down. And there's just enough appeal during times that I feel like it's helpful, like when I'm feeling sick or, oh, it's time to take a break and it's really an okay time to watch this, that I decide that it's more important to keep it. But the honest truth is that if there's a conviction there, if there's a feeling that this particular activity isn't supporting me, then there's a freedom that comes from finally just deleting the thing. And in spite of taking months to take care of it, the times when I have finally followed through and deleted whatever it was that was really nagging me, whether it was a movie app or a video game or whatever it was, there's a freedom and a lightness that comes afterwards. You know that you got rid of something that wasn't supportive And now there's space to enjoy the things that you know you're longing to enjoy. I was able to do something else besides default to a numbing activity. And that's really helpful. So when we do these things and keep these commitments to ourselves, there's also something, there's a dynamic that happens where we are building dependability in our own brain. We're building a pattern of, I can be counted on to keep my commitments. As a result, it helps us keep our commitments to God as well, which also brings joy. I know, for instance, when my children realize that they're doing the things that they're supposed to do, when they're keeping their room clean, or they know that they're really supposed to be doing their homework on a regular basis and they start to get it done on a regular basis by themselves without being told. There's a joy that comes from being successful in those areas where they're living up to the expectation that they have, that they know I have. 
that's so fun. There's a joy that comes in that obedience, that successful obedience. And as we keep commitments to ourselves, it helps build that muscle of keeping commitments in general. And we become more successful in keeping our commitments to the Lord, which gives there, there's a joy that comes in our obedience consistently worked out before him. So it's a secret to easy joy. We gradually build that skill of commitments that we follow through on and the joy by default begins to come in. Now, the other side of this is keeping our commitments to other people. It's still building on that same skill and building that muscle. But there's a couple of different aspects of keeping our commitments to others that I'd like to look at that help build this opportunity for easy joy. One side is similar to taking good care of ourselves or keeping our commitments to God. It's important to just do the things that we said we'd do. For instance, when I would make a commitment to direct a class at school, at you know, at classical conversations, following through and teaching that class freed me up. I had a clear conscience and I was able to enjoy the people that I was with because I was keeping my word to them. But sometimes there were aspects of keeping that commitment that I knew in my in my heart that I needed to follow through on, even though the other people in the group didn't necessarily realize that that was part of what I needed to do. For instance, one year I knew that it was really important that I take about two hours during the week to adequately prepare for the class before I got to the class. I knew that I could wing it. I knew that I could get to the class and just wing the lesson. And sometimes nobody there would be anything the wiser that I had. Nobody there would know the difference. But I would know. I would know because it required so much more energy and thought and brain power to think through things during the day for the community that I wasn't able to fully enjoy being present with the students and being present with the with the other moms there because I was focused so much on needing to get the material together that day. And so it became honoring to them and honoring the commitment that I had made to them to take that time ahead of time, that two hours of prep time. I, it freed me up to experience the joy of the community because I wasn't thinking about all the logistics that had to happen on that get on that day. So what elements do you need to just do? The commitments that you've made to other people, are you kind of sliding through barely or are you intentionally setting aside time to fulfill those commitments well? Are you in integrity making them a priority and thereby clearing out space for the joy to come in? The other way that you can keep commitments to others is by renegotiating. Now, this is a little bit of a different aspect of a way to look at commitments, but we either can keep a commitment that we've made or we have to renegotiate. 
the alternative that a lot of people try to use is like, oh, maybe it'll just sort of dissipate and slide under the rug. And that is kind of like when that child tries to just sort of hide the things at the bottom of the container. Maybe you won't see that it needs to be dumped out before they put the new things back in. But eventually what happens is the things at the bottom of the container do end up mixing with the other things and it's not organized and it's not tidy and the room becomes a problem a lot faster because we didn't take care of those things in the beginning. And so the the renegotiating is an important piece. It takes a little bit of bravery to have conversations about that because sometimes people's feelings get hurt or expectations get, get uh, people are disappointed because expectations aren't met. But renegotiating is a way to keep a promise. We come back and say, hey, this was more than I bargained for. I didn't really realize that this, that I was biting off more than I could chew here. Here's what I can do. Here's what I can't do. And as a result, we create a new commitment and then we're freed up to keep that, the, keep our end of the bargain for that. One I think about, which I think I've talked about on this podcast before, is when I knew my oldest son needed to have more interaction with me on a regular basis. So we were having conflicts with each other, and I knew that if we set aside time to talk with each other that wasn't about something he was doing wrong, that we just had time to develop a relationship that it would improve overall how we got along with each other. And I made the decision to meet with him every once a week for breakfast in the morning. The first time we went out to eat, but the intention was to just have a breakfast with him in the house, just the two of us. We did that about twice before it became something that the rest of the children discovered was a thing. Oh, you're having breakfast with him? I want to have breakfast with you, Mom. And they wanted the same treatment. We want to build this relationship, and this seems like fun. So being my overambitious self, I decided there's seven kids and seven days of the week. I'll just have breakfast with a different kid every day of the week. That could work. And that did not even happen a single time. (laughs) I made that commitment to them and immediately realized that that was way unrealistic. (laughs) And so I talked with Brandon about how are we going to deal with this? I don't know what to do. I made this commitment and it definitely needs to change, but I'm not really sure what it needs to look like. And he said, he suggested well, why don't you change it to a one time a year? We could just make you have a birthday breakfast on their half birthday, take them out to breakfast. And what if we renegotiate it to be that? And my first response was, that sounds terrible. They're going to think that I don't care about them if I'm going from I'll have breakfast one day a week with you to I'll have breakfast one day a year with you. That seems really ridiculous. I felt so inadequate when he suggested that. And he reminded me that we were talking specifically about the commitment that I was making and the importance of whatever commitment 
that I make, it's important that I really believe that I can keep it and then prioritize it and show up. So that's what we did. We made that commitment. He reminded me, you can take them, you can have breakfast with them other days. It doesn't mean that because you make a commitment for this, you can't spend other time with them. But if you're talking about keeping your word, let's make it something that you really can keep. And if we decide to make it more later, then we can't. So that's ultimately what we did. We changed the, we renegotiated with them. I apologized for making a commitment that was way too ambitious. We changed it to having half birthday breakfast with them one day a year. And now it is a beautiful thing. It's been that way for years. I have never missed a half birthday breakfast and we don't always have it on their birthday for logistical reasons and scheduling purposes, but we always have it. And so it's something that they know they can count on. It's a pattern of mom does what she says she's going to do. And that pattern allows them to experience the joy of the relationship with me. And it allows me to be freed up to really enjoy the, the breakfast that we have together. Whereas before Honestly, it would not have mattered how many times I went to breakfast. I would be focused on the, all the times that I could never make up that I had let them down. That doesn't open its way to joy. It doesn't allow me to fully enjoy the relationship because on a regular basis, I am violating the agreement that I made with them. There's so many other ways besides just this example of keeping a commitment to my children that sometimes we need to renegotiate things to free up that space, to clear that space out for joy to roll in. Some other examples would be things like you you don't need to make the commitment bigger than necessary. For instance, maybe you agreed to hold on some, to something for your brother like, uh, I know my parents have sometimes agreed to hold on to furniture for extended family until they can come and pick it up. But it's not unusual to make a commitment like that and then find out that you're 10 years down the road and you're still holding on to that piece of furniture. I think everyone in the agreement, if they had a conversation, would know that nobody meant 10 years down the road when they initially made that agreement. And it's okay to, when you start feeling resentment about something like that, to come back in, have a new conversation and renegotiate that and say, Hey, when I said this, I, I was thinking that you were going to prioritize coming and picking this up relatively soon. I think I need to renegotiate this and need to like, you have a year or whatever you decide, but get really clear on the time limit that you that you have an expectation around that frees you up to have an open relationship with them. Because honestly, if you're resenting something where somebody else isn't following through, or you feel stuck, like you made a commitment that you don't want to make anymore, there it creates a barrier. You aren't fully able to enjoy the relationship like you would like to. Maybe you did something like, in a different scenario, decided that you would teach a class or be responsible for something that involves 
leading other people. And you think, oh, this involves a certain amount of work and a certain amount of time. And then you get into it and you find, no, actually involves planning socials and keeping up with communication and and having prizes and paying extra money and providing food and having games and things like that. And start we start to, when we've made a commitment, we find out that it's bigger than what we bargained for, there can be this resentment that rolls in and it prohibits us from experiencing the joy that is possible. But there is joy in collaborating with people. Make requests of other people. Hey, we'd like to have socials that to go along with this class. Would you be willing to help play in the socials? Or we'd like to be able to hand out prizes to all the kids for doing thus and so. Can we have everybody bring in prizes? Make requests of other people. There's joy in collaboration. We enjoy doing things together in community. It helps us feel a sense of belonging. And by default, it is a secret to an easy joy that can come into our lives. So those are some different ways that we can renegotiate situations that maybe we didn't realize what we were getting into when we first made that commitment. In, in the end here where we're wrapping up, I want to just read a few verses about what the Bible says about joy. Romans 14.5 says, Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. Now, this doesn't speak directly to joy, but it does speak of the freedom that comes when we act on what we are fully convinced of. In the Bible, this is talking about uh, matters of conscience, where one person thinks it should be done one way and another person thinks it should be done a different way. And the Lord encourages us, In Paul is actually writing, he encourages us to be fully convinced in his own mind. Why? Because there's a freedom that comes. It frees up our brain to enjoy the goodness of the Lord because we aren't distracted by feeling like we're doing something wrong the whole time. In Proverbs 15, 23, it says, a person finds joy in giving an apt reply and how good is a timely word. I think this verse is so helpful to remember when we continue to put off a difficult conversation that we know we need to have. When we're, when we continue to put that conversation off, it prohibits us from truly experiencing joy in the relationship that we're longing to have. There is joy in giving an apt reply and going ahead and having that conversation. There's a relief. Other people experience that tension between you and them, whether we acknowledge it or not. There is a tension and a lot of times we feel it. So go ahead and have that conversation. Move past it. And then 2 Corinthians 9, 7 says, Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And I want to end with this verse because each of our promises and commitments that we make is a gift. It's a gift to ourselves, to the Lord, to other people. It's a gift that we are choosing to give. Nobody's forcing us to make the promises and commitments that we make. However much we feel boxed in or stuck or cajoled into 
the commitment that we made, that is not the truth. The truth is that we have been given free choice on this earth and we choose for one reason or another to make the promises and commitments that we make. And as a result, it is a gift that we give to other people. And this verse talks about the cheerfulness that comes when we give from a place of joy and cheer. We we do it because we want to, not because we feel like we have to or because somebody is forcing us to. We we get to give that gift. And people who are excited to give gifts and feel like it's a choice that they've made, they give them voluntarily. They don't resist them. They don't hold back. They don't drag it out forever. And there's a lightness and a joy that comes from going ahead and taking action, recognizing that it's a choice that you've made, and either following through with that choice or renegotiating it, whichever needs to happen. So as I usually close these episodes, my question for you is, what one action are you going to take today? Where are you going to sort of clean out that bucket to make space for joy to come in this season? What commitment or promise do you have in your mind, whether it's to yourself or to God or to someone else, that you can go ahead and clear that up? Go ahead and take action. Do what you said you were going to do so that you can free up your conscience and your mind and your body to experience the joy and the love that can naturally come in as a result of being obedient and having a clear conscience before God. I'm excited to hear about what kind of action you're taking today. Let me know on fruitpursuitpodcast.com. You can leave me a comment there. I'd love to know if you're finding value from this. And if you're finding value from this, please share it with somebody else that you think could also benefit from this. Now, that's the way that we get this message out, that there is life, that there is a, the way to love God, love others, and really enjoy doing it. Thanks so much for joining me today. I look forward to connecting with you again about joy next week. Take care. You've been listening to Fruit Pursuit with Mary Aldrich, a production of the Ultimate Christian Podcast Network. To hear more great ways of growing your mindset in the fruit of the Spirit, please subscribe. You can listen to other episodes and find additional resources at fruitpursuitpodcast.com. To learn more about Mary Aldrich and the coaching work she is so passionate about, visit maryaldrichcoaching.com. And by the way, what one next step are you taking today?